Are you a wise person? How do you know? Are you sure? Today we're beginning a new series in the book of Proverbs, which is a book that is all about wisdom. And there may uh, never have been a more important season in all of our lives for us to consider this book. Because recent scientific studies have shown that as a society, we are getting dumber. It's true. Historically, there has been a concept known as the Flynn effect, which refers to the consistent upward trend in IQ test scores across generations, which has been documented to be approximately three points per decade. So historically, every decade, the population's IQ scores have risen by an average of three points. But in recent studies, from 2006 to 2018, that trend has reversed. And it is being statistically, scientifically shown that the intelligence gains of the 19th and 20th centuries are beginning to be wiped out in the 21st century. We are officially getting dumber. No one knows exactly why, but it has been statistically proven that we are. Now, the truth of the matter is that we shouldn't even need scientific analysis to demonstrate and prove that this is the case for us, should we? That we should be able to merely open our eyes and observe the buffoonery that is taking place in our politics on both the right and the left, and in our civic and cultural life over the past decades, to see that this is happening. But even closer to home, and even more convincing and more convicting for how desperately we need wisdom is this list of searching observations that I found, which one author wrote. Consider these for yourself to identify the desperate need that you have for wisdom, that we all have for wisdom, not just in our world, but in our own lives. Think of the hurtful words that you've said to a friend or to a spouse or to a parent or to a child. Think of the times that you've said more than you should have said. Think of the times that you spoke or texted or tweeted too quickly and couldn't get your words back. Think about the times that you, that someone has confronted you with something that you needed to hear, but you blew them off and disregarded their efforts to help you. Think about the times that you should have lovingly confronted someone else to help them, and you didn't. Think about the lie or the secret that you desperately hope others won't find out about. Think about the times that you bragged about yourself so that people would think that you are something and how you felt afterwards. Think about the times that you didn't discipline a behavior in your children or in yourself that has now gotten out of hand. 
Think about the grudge that you've held, which hurt you far more than the person that you held it against. Think about the times that you've been stingy with your money, which you had plenty of, rather than being generous with the person that was in genuine need. Think about your frivolous spending and what it has accomplished. Think about the people that you are jealous of because they got something that you wanted. Think about the times that you have nagged your spouse and what that did to you and to your spouse and to your marriage. Think about how you repeat the same stupid mistakes over and over again and never seem to learn from them. Do I need to keep going? (laughs) The truth of the matter is that we don't need science or society to tell us that we desperately need more wisdom. Do we? The thoughts of our own hearts, the evidence of our own lives demonstrates our need for wisdom all on their own. We are a people and a nation and a world that are in dire need of wisdom. And as a result, this book of Proverbs, which offers to us God's wisdom for how to live life, is one that we desperately need and desperately need now. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to be considering this wisdom of God and how we can apply it to our lives. And this morning, we're beginning with just the introduction of this book which tells us where these Proverbs are from, what they are for, and what is their foundation, or or what are they based upon. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it with me to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, as we consider God's wisdom for our world. First, we're going to consider where these Proverbs are from. And what we see is that right at the beginning of this book, in verse 1, is that these are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. And the reason why it's significant that these Proverbs are from Solomon is because, as we heard in our Old Testament reading from 1 Kings this morning, Solomon was the wisest man who has ever lived. He obtained this wisdom when he was a young man who had recently taken over the throne from his father, the great King David, after he had died. And early in his reign, recognizing his lack of knowledge and experience and aware of his inability to lead the people well, signs of wisdom all on their own. Recognizing these things, Solomon, when visited by the Lord in a dream and given the chance to ask for anything that he wanted, Asked the Lord for wisdom. He asked for an understanding mind so that he could govern and lead God's people well. Discerning between what is right and what is wrong. Between what is good and what is evil. Solomon's request pleased the Lord. And so God gave to Solomon the wise and discerning mind that he had asked for. Along with the riches and the honor that he hadn't asked for. 
In the end, God made Solomon so wise and so discerning that there has never been a man like him before and that there would never be a man like him after him. God made Solomon to be the wisest man who had ever lived or who would ever live. And at the end of 1 Kings 4, we read that Solomon's wisdom and understanding was beyond measure, like the sand of the seashore. And that people from all of the nations of the earth came to hear his wisdom. This is what we have captured for us in the book of Proverbs. In this book is a compilation of Solomon's wisdom. So if you want to be wise in this world, these Proverbs are the place to come. And the good news is that everyone is invited to come and to learn from them. That's what these Proverbs are for. We see this in verses 2 through 6 where we read that these Proverbs exist to know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, in justice, and in equity. To give prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the youth. So that the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtains guidance. That's what these Proverbs are for. And when you take a step back and consider all of that together, what we are being told is that in this book is a source of all kinds of wisdom for all kinds of people. These Proverbs are given for wisdom and instruction and understanding. They are intended to give prudence and knowledge and discretion. They are given to increase learning and to provide guidance. They're for all kinds of wisdom of life. And they're given to all kinds of people. To both the simple and the wise. To both the young and to the one who already has understanding. These Proverbs are meant to give all kinds of knowledge to all kinds of people. To the one who knows nothing, these Proverbs begin their teaching and instruction. To the one who is already wise and discerning, these Proverbs will help them to increase in learning that they already have obtained. And what that means is that within these pages, there is something for everyone. It means that there's something for you to glean from these pages. And that there is never an end to the benefit of these words for our lives. We can never outgrow them. Solomon's telling us in this introduction that that wisdom and learning is not a goal or a status that we ever attain. But rather it is a pursuit that we spend our entire life on, always seeking to grow in. So the question for us, who acknowledges our need for this wisdom, becomes, how do we do it? Where can we find this knowledge that gives understanding and insight? And how do we begin to grow in this kind of wisdom in our lives? Verse 7 tells us both where to begin and how to begin our pursuit of wisdom. When it says that the fear of the Lord... Is the beginning of knowledge. Solomon's first and 
foundational and fundamental instruction for us regarding the pursuit of wisdom is that it begins with the fear of the Lord. And inherent within that statement are, are two important realities for us to grasp if we want to become a people who are wise. The first is that wisdom comes from the Lord. He is the source of all true wisdom. And that only makes sense as He is the creator of all things. You know what's amazing? But what the scientific pursuits throughout human history have discovered. But even with all of the time and all of the brilliant people and all of the unlimited countless resources that have been poured into scientific discovery throughout the millennia, there are so many still relatively basic things that we do not know and we cannot understand about our world. For example, scientists have no idea what most of the universe is made out of. They would acknowledge that most of the matter of the, of the universe is unseeable and untouchable and to this day undiscoverable. And so they simply call it dark matter because they have no idea what it is. But God knows. It's the very first thing that the scriptures tell us about him. That he created the heavens and the earth. When the earth was void, God spoke the expanse that is the heavens into existence. We may not know what that dark matter is, but he certainly does because he created it. Or consider the animals that live in the depths of the ocean. At about 200 meters below the surface of the ocean is an area known as the twilight zone where light can no longer penetrate The depths of the sea. And though scientists believe that that this portion of the ocean is extremely important for our planet's health, they actually have no idea what animals actually live there and what role they play in the health of our planet. But God does. (laughs) He gathered the waters together and created the seas. He spoke the great sea creatures and every living creature with which the waters swarm into existence. We may not know what is down there, but he certainly does because he made it. He put it there. And so there's mystery above us and there's mystery below us. But the truth of the matter is that we don't have to go to the extreme heights of outer space or to the extreme depths of the ocean in order to find something that God knows that we don't. (laughs) Once again, we can simply consider Our very own hearts. Just look inside of yourself for a moment and consider. Why do you repeatedly do the things that you know you shouldn't and that you don't want to do? Or why do you regularly fail to do the things that you know you ought to do and that you say you want to do? It says the prophet Jeremiah said, who can understand the heart? The answer is no one, except for the Lord, for he knows the secrets of the heart. Psalm 44. He discerns the heart's thoughts and intentions. Hebrews chapter 4. 
He knows what is inside of man. John chapter 2. From the heights of the heavens to the depths of the sea to the inner workings of our very own hearts and minds. God knows it all because he created it all. And as a result, he knows how everything works best. Life, health, relationships, work, worship. He knows that it was all designed and created uh, in order to flourish. He knows how it's supposed to go. He's the source of all knowledge. And so if we want to truly be wise, we must come to Him. But we must come to Him in fear. Or reverence and awe and respect and deference. This is the second essential part of Solomon's instruction. That it's not enough to just know that God is wise. But we must be willing to submit to his wisdom for our lives in order to benefit from his wisdom. Otherwise, his wisdom will do us no good and will prove ourselves to be fools. The scriptures are full of examples of this gone wrong. Consider Adam and Eve who didn't submit themselves to God's wisdom when he withheld from them the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the death that came along with eating it. And in the end, they lost access to the Garden of Eden. Or consider the people of Israel who didn't accept God's instruction about the promised land and subsequently spent 40 years wandering in the desert as fools. Or consider the entire book of Judges where rather than following God's laws, the people did what was right in their own eyes, which provided disastrous for everyone in the land. Or there was Saul who wouldn't accept God's wisdom spoken through Samuel and he lost God's favor. Or there was Jonah who ran from God's instruction and ended up in the belly of a great fish. There's example after example in the scriptures of how people have failed to fear the Lord and ultimately shown themselves to be Foolish. But without a doubt, the most ironic example of this foolishness was Solomon himself. Because do you remember how Solomon's life ended? After an incredible start, maybe the best start ever, where blessing and abundance and the favor of God was with Solomon in almost every way imaginable. Towards the end of his life, Solomon failed to follow his own instruction regarding the fear of the Lord. And in 1 Kings chapter 11, we read this. Now Solomon loved many foreign women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But Solomon clung to them in love. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. And then there's a long list of all the foreign gods that Solomon built places of worship for on the hills of Israel. Which was an abomination to the one true God. Solomon lost his fear of the Lord. And he sought wisdom from places other than the Lord. And in the end, it cost him everything. God's favor left him. His son was a disaster. 
the kingdom of Israel was torn and divided into two. All that Solomon had prayed for and worked for, the wisdom to lead God's people faithfully and well, it was all lost. In the end, Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, proved to be just another fool. And I don't know about you, but that causes me to ask the question, if Solomon ended up a fool, what chance do I have to gain a heart of wisdom? If the wisest man to ever live ultimately failed in his pursuit of gaining knowledge to make life go well, what hope do you and I possibly have? Well, the hope that we have for us was revealed for us in our gospel lesson this morning. Did you catch it? In that reading, we heard that our hope is that in the person of Jesus, one even greater than Solomon is here. The context of that statement was that in Luke chapter 11, Jesus was challenging the Pharisees because they would not listen to his wisdom and they would not accept his teaching and ultimately they would not receive him. And so he warned them, saying that the queen of south would rise up at the judgment against that generation because she had traveled from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But the Pharisees had one even greater than Solomon right in front of them, and they would not listen to him. And in that warning, Jesus points them and he points us to the wisest man who had ever lived. And he said, I am wiser Solomon personified wisdom in the Proverbs, but I am wisdom personified here on earth. Solomon taught about the wisdom that comes from God, but I am the wisdom of God here in the flesh. And isn't that what the scriptures repeatedly claim about Jesus? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says that Jesus is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In Colossians 2, he says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And later, that in the person of Jesus, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. All of God's glory, all of God's power, all of his wisdom, and all of his knowledge. It all resides in Jesus. He is an even greater Solomon. And the reason that that gives us hope is because what that ultimately means is that wisdom isn't some concept that we have to grasp. Or it's not a bunch of ideas that we have to understand. Or it's not a set of knowledge that we have to perfect and to memorize and to to rightly apply to our lives. Instead, wisdom is a person that we can know and have a relationship with. This means that wisdom isn't something that we have to go and search out and find and discover for ourselves. Because wisdom himself has already searched us out and come and found us. This means that wisdom isn't something that's dependent upon us to master. Instead, it's someone who we can allow to master us. And the good news about Jesus is is that unlike Solomon and unlike all of us, 
who have repeatedly failed at living our lives in fear of the Lord, and who in the end always seem to prove ourselves the fool, the greater Solomon never did. In fact, he feared the Lord and was obedient to God all the way to the point of death, even death upon a cross. Therefore, rather than losing God's favor, Jesus gained it all the more and has been highly exalted into the presence of God and the glories of heaven. And he invites us there with him. And so, church, if we want to be a people who are wise, let us take this wisdom of Solomon from the Proverbs into our lives for sure. But even more so, Let us take in Jesus, the one who is an even greater Solomon, and let us receive him into our lives and let his life be lived through our lives. And then we will prove wise for God's glory and for our good. Amen.